Somebody say juice. There we go. Come on. It's definitely the 11 o'clock service. I'm already feeling it. Hey, we're so glad that you're here today. No, I am not Pastor Jeremy. We do look very similar, the glasses, the hair color. But uh, today you get me. <laughs> For those of you that haven't met me, I'm Pastor Seth. I'm the youth pastor here at Timber Creek Church. Come on. Man. <laughs> Somebody loves me over there. Hey, real fast before we jump in, we're finishing our Juice series last week. Uh, but number one, I want to say thanks to Pastor Jeremy. We have an incredible pastor here at Timber Creek Church. Amen? Come on. We love Pastor Jeremy and Janet. They're awesome. They're out of town today. They'll be back next week. We know you're missing them. We love those guys. Hey, secondly, I want to say this, and this could get me in trouble, and that's okay. I like getting in trouble. But, you know, we say one of the values of our church is we want more for the next generation. Right? And I want to say that nobody around here means that, lives that more than me and my wife. We want more for the next generation. I know that we only cover 6th through 12th grade, but just know that we are so passionate. And I say that, parents, thank you for letting us pastor your kids. We love it. We love it. We love it. I've told them before, I get up there to preach, and, man, I just know that I was born for this. And I'm so privileged and honored to be on this staff and to serve this church we sure love it here. Lufkin, Texas, deep east Texas. It's fun, right? Yeah, come on. If you ain't, you know, making noise, you haven't lived here long enough. We love it around here. Hey, we're talking about student ministry. I love my students. Where are my students at in this place? Come on. We love you guys. Hey, just want to tell you about two things that are coming up. Number one, this Wednesday. Everybody say this Wednesday. This Wednesday is our fall kickoff, right? And so you're like, what are you talking about? You guys meet every Wednesday. We see it on the announcement video, this, that, and the other. But we've got our fall kickoff. We start back with services this Wednesday. And if you're in sixth grade, going into sixth grade, it's your very first Wednesday with us. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a message. And we're also going to have an awesome time because that's just what we do around here, right? So make sure you don't miss it if you're in sixth through twelfth grade. If you've got a kid in sixth through twelfth grade, dude, get them up to church, man. They need to be hanging out up here. They don't need to be at the mall or, you know, seeing a movie. Like, dude, they need to be at this place because this is where you're going to find Jesus. Amen? Come on. Parents coming to me all the time like, hey, what do I do with my kid? I'm like, you could bring him to church. Just saying. Just, just try that out there. and we'll, we'll start there and we'll go. We'll figure out the rest. Hey, here's something I'm also really, really pumped about. You guys ready? I'm pumped about Blitz Bash coming up. They're going to throw something up on the screen. And so for those of you like, what is Blitz Bash? Just know that it is our student ministry's biggest event of the year. And I say biggest event of the year. Last year we had 528 students on this campus. Here's the cool thing is that 230 of those students gave their life to Jesus Christ right down here at this altar. We want more for the next generation, and we're trying to appeal to students that don't come to church, right? Like, we don't just want kids from the other churches in town. We're trying to reach students where they are. And we're trying to give our students an easy chance to say, hey, come to church with me. And so we've got this awesome event coming up. You, you can learn more about that out in the foyer. But we're pumped and pumped and pumped about that. Everybody say, oh, yeah. Come on, you guys are with me this morning. I'm feeling it. Hey, I said we're finishing this series called Juice. And it's funny, Pastor Jeremy told me a little over a month ago about, hey, I'm going to have you preach. And he said, I'm going to have you preach on self-control. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I couldn't have got any of the other fruit of the Spirit. Like, I get self-control. Awesome. 
right? And so today we're going to be digging into this idea of self-control. Like I said, he told me a little over a month ago, and so I had to change some things in my life, y'all. Let me just be really honest, right? Like I'm thinking, dude, I can't get up and preach about something that I'm just not like owning in my own life, right? So I've been hitting the weights a little bit. I've been trying to eat a little better. Come on, I've been trying, and that's what you got to do. That's what this is all about. But today we're going to walk through some ideas and some steps that I believe can bring freedom into your life. We practice self-control. I believe it will change things for you and for your family. Amen? I want to start out and uh, have just a little bit of fun with you. We're going to throw some pictures up on the screen. And I want you to rate how good you are of self-control, one to five. Just lift up a hand, all right? So he, let's just try this out real fast. Throw up a picture. Uh-oh. It's hard to wake up early, y'all. It's hard to wake up in the morning. So here's what I need. If it's really hard for you to wake up in the morning, throw up a five. All right. If it's easy, you got it. Put up a one. I'm seeing a lot of fives. I'm seeing a lot of fives. It is not easy to wake up in the morning. Let's try another one. Check this out. Uh oh. <laughs> Superman's weakness is kryptonite. Mine just might be the cookie two step from Bluebell. I'm telling you guys, I love me, love me, love me some ice cream. Come on, like that's like a 10 for me, like, like 25. I don't know, it's up there. Let's throw up another one, let's see what we got. Online shopping. Come on, I see some hands up. Come on, online shopping. Amazon has made it too easy for us to get everything we want. Let's check out this other one. Everybody say Netflix, Hulu, TV binge watching. I'm a five, I gotta be honest. I love me some TV. It is hard not to just sit there and you're like, a whole week has gone by. <laughs> what just happened to my life, right? Let's throw up another one right here. Uh-oh, shoes. Who doesn't love some shoes up in this place? Come on, I know the ladies got them hands up. You go shopping, it is all about the shoes. And this is our last one, probably the biggest one on the list. I hate traffic. Anybody else hate traffic? Cars are meant to move, not just be stuck somewhere, right? Man, I'm already preaching up here. The funny thing, let me just put this in reality for you. This next week, school zones are back. <laughs> Man, I just broke somebody's heart. Somebody is livid right now just thinking about being stuck in a school zone. The drop-off line, parents, the pickup line, it, is, it goes on for days. Sometimes you're worried if you're going to get your kid before like 9 o'clock at night and you got there at four o'clock, it's bad. Self-control, we all struggle with it. This is one of those issues, it's not just like we get up and hey, maybe this applies to you, maybe it doesn't. This applies to all of us because there's some area in our life where we struggle with self-control. That's just how it is, that's the life that we live. And today, I wanna walk through this idea of self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says it like this. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Not about you, but I wouldn't wanna live in a house with no door, with no windows. Like, we already got enough mosquitoes and love bugs for days. But not to mention all the other things that could get into our house. Without a door, without windows, anything can come in. And I was preparing for this message, and I feel like God placed this on my heart. So many of us are living a life just like that. 
We are so open to anything. We don't have the, the doors and the windows to keep all of the stuff from pouring into our life, and it controls us. I think today that we need to really dive into what it means to have self-control. Today, I think the biggest thing for us to realize is this one thing, and it's anything uncontrolled, anything uncontrolled in our life is dangerous. Doesn't matter what it is, anything uncontrolled is dangerous. If I had a match right now and I just, you know, struck it and I just threw it out there, <laughs> talk about some church, right? Like, what happened at church today? <laughs> That's not safe. That is dangerous. There's so many things in our life that we don't even understand. We don't even see the danger in, but we're just letting them pour into our life. We're so open to whatever. Self-control is the foundation for living the life God has called us to. The foundation. So how do we control the things in our life that control us? How do we gain back control? How do we figure things out and make it all happen? I've got three easy steps for you this morning. Somebody say amen. Come on. Number one, give it up. Light bulb. <laughs> Man, we just figured it out. Give it up. What do you mean by that, Pastor Seth? Like, I've been trying at this thing, and, man, I've tried to just give it up, and it hasn't happened. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm saying give it up because the funny thing is we think we're in control. We think that we have the reins on our life, and here's the real honest truth. We don't. I just, man, I just broke some hearts out there again, right? Like, you don't have control over your life because there's so many things that you've let in, and they've got the reins. And they're telling you where to go. They're telling you how to live, and they're making your decisions for you. Some of us, it's not at such a big level. Some of it's a little lower, but still, like I said, anything uncontrolled is dangerous. And we've allowed these things into our life. It's hard to just reel it back in. And this morning, I think the first step of really trying to figure out self-control, we've got to realize that we don't have the control and that whatever we have control over, we need to give it up and give it to God. We've got to give up the control and say, God, it's all yours. Growing up, I don't know about you, but like the, the remote control was a big deal. In my house, it's a big deal, right? Like there's always sports on and baseball and football and just, you know, all kinds of stuff on the TV. But the remote control was a big deal. And I think so many of us think we've got it right here. We really don't. And we need to gain back as much as we can. And we need to grab it and we need to say, God, I'm going to give it to you. You see, it's, it's all about surrender. I think that surrender is a really great word to, to use for this. Because we... We've surrendered to so many things in our life. We, like I said, we've let them in, and they've gained control. We've surrendered to those things. I know you wouldn't think, man, I've surrendered to unhealthy eating. <laughs> I've never said that before. I, 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 I've never surrendered to being lazy and not working as hard as I should. I've never surrendered to lust and, and anger. But I think if you really understand the idea of surrender, you'll understand that that's exactly what's happened. Because you see, if, I, if somebody had a gun pointed at you today, what would you do? You'd lift your hands up, and you would do anything they told you to. You have literally lost all the control that you have. You're powerless. That's what happens. 
And I think we've been held at gunpoint by some of the things in our lives. And I think God wants to change that. We're talking about surrender and how, you know, if you surrender to somebody else or something else, then they have complete control. And normally in that, you have zero control. You have zero freedom. Here's what I love. When you give up control to God, there's nothing like it. There's nothing in this world you can surrender your life to and the end result be more freedom. Only Jesus. What do you mean by that, Pastor Seth? I'm saying we've surrendered to so much junk in our life, but when you come to that moment and you surrender everything to Jesus, I'm not just talking about a prayer down at the altar, but I'm saying the junk that you're working through after you've made that decision to follow Jesus, right? Because you've got to understand, it's not just all peachy. You leave here and everything's perfect. You've got to work through some stuff. You've got to examine your life, see where you're at, and say, this is where I need to be. How do I get there? This is what God's called me to do. How do I get there? We've got to understand that when we surrender to God, there's more freedom in that than anything we could ever find, anything we could ever surrender to. God gives us more freedom. And by that I mean you surrender your life to God and you say, God, everything is yours. You stop holding on like you've got control and you let go and say, God, it's yours. In that moment, some of the chains that I believe that have held you down from the life that God's called you to, they're gone. And in that moment of surrender, something happens right here. And it will change your life forever. There's something about surrendering your life to God and saying, God, everything is yours. And here's the thing. Some of you might be in here today and you say, dude, I've been following Jesus my whole life. But I bet if you took that step back and you really examined everything, if you look through every detail of your life, there's something uncontrolled and you need to pray that God, God, I surrender to you. Help me control this. Because let me be honest this morning, there are marriages in this place that need more surrender and that need self-control. There are men and women in this room that need self-control more than ever before. And to look at the big picture of everything, there's kids over there that need to see self-control lived out in their parents' lives. There's so many things. There's, uh, the list could go on of the uncontrolled junk in our life, and it starts with this idea of surrender. You say, God, everything is yours. Then we find that freedom to, to walk in that. I want to read a passage of Scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Let's kind of walk through that passage of Scripture. Number one, we've got to realize we're running this race called life. But here's the crazy thing. Some of us are running that race with some weights on us. Some of us are running with unneeded, unwanted weight, but we're just bringing the baggage along with us. I don't know if you've ever tried to run with weight, but it is not fun, right? Like, I've already got enough to run with. I don't need any more. And we're running, and we're just going, we're hopping along, and we're barely breathing. We're trying to make it through, but God has more for us. 
And I like this. It says, let us strip off every weight. And I say that, it's like, boom, now, as much as you guys would, uh, you know, like me to take this pineapple shirt off, right? I'm not going to this morning. I'm talking about the weight that we are carrying, the junk that we're they're walking through our life that we've held on to for so long, the things that are uncontrolled that are controlling us, and we're walking through life so heavy and so burdened, and God has more for you. God has a bigger life than you could ever wrap your mind around, and you've got to start walking with him. You've got to start stripping off some stuff and say, God, I'm surrendered to you, because I love the next part of this verse. It says, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You see, God's a champion. Our God is the champion. We think that we can win this battle of self-control. We think, dude, I have got this. God has this. We need the champion. We've got to stop thinking, dude, I'm going to figure this out. I'm, I'm going to make it on my own. And we've got to realize that we've got to give it to God. We've got to say, God, you have all of the control. And you walk in that life and things will be different. I like this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I am weak. He is strong. Yes, Jesus. Okay, I'm not going to go back to like, you know, <laughs> back to the day, right? But we've got to understand we're weak. We don't have what it takes. This is an uphill battle that we will never win. But God says, strip it off. Give me control. And I will take you higher, and I will take you further than you've ever been, than you could ever imagine, than you could ever go on your own. Amen? Got to examine our life. Some of us, we got some junk that we've got to deal with today. Others, you might say, man, this isn't as much for me. And if it's not for you today, it will be, it, I don't want to say soon, it will be at some point in your life. Everybody say number two. Number two, plan it out. Plan it out. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Isn't this passage so true? You can stay up late all you want to and watch some infomercials. <laughs> and they're going to promise you a lot of things for $29.99, five payments. <laughs> they're going to promise you a lot of things. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. My dad has always told me this. You never plan to fail. You just fail to plan. You've probably heard that before but it's so true. It's so valuable for our life. We think, I'm on this new journey and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to beat this and conquer this in my life and maybe you just surrendered your life to Jesus. I'm like, that's all I need. <laughs> I'm not gonna have a plan. I'm just gonna figure this out. And here's the funny thing. I've never heard anybody, 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 anybody in my life say, I'm gonna go fail today. <laughs> I'm just gonna drop the ball on everything. Nobody says that. Nobody lives their life like that. 
But we do because we don't put the plan, we don't put in the work before. You see, we, we yearn for the product. Everybody wants some nice abs. Everybody. But are you willing to put in the crunches for it? Everybody wants the big old juicy arms, right? But are you willing to put in the work day in and day out for it? It's not that easy. We just want the product and we don't want the work. And I think that we've got to see how lazy we've become. And in this life that we live with Christ, it's not just going to be this easy. Got everything I want and I'm happy all the time. And we just, we've got to understand that there's so much more. And it's time we put in the work. It's time we put in the effort to see the changes we want to see in our life. It's so easy just to live life and watch all the Netflix you want and eat whatever you want and get as mad as you want about every little thing in your life. But at some point, the uncontrolled stuff's going to build up and build up and build up. And you're going to alienate your friends, your family, and you could lose everything. But you've got to have a plan. Some of you today, that is the next step. You need to leave here. You need to get a note out on your phone, find a pen and some paper, and you've got to make some next steps in your life. That's it. You never plan to fail. You fail to plan. Who's excited about football season coming up? Come on. I don't think anybody in first service liked football. I don't know what was going on. These must be the real football lovers around here. I love some football. I'm excited about the Dallas Cowboys this year. Come on. <laughs> some of y'all are trying to have some self-control with your anger right now as I talk about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I'm pumped, man. I cannot wait. And I was thinking, dude, like they're in camp right now. You know, they're, they're preseason games. They're practicing. They're practicing. They're putting in the work right now. But there's so much to it. You see, they don't just go out there on a, you know, Sunday afternoon and just think, we're going to make this happen. <laughs> there are people that get paid a lot of money to figure out the plays. There are people that get paid a lot of money to watch all the game film. I did some research, and an NFL position coach, so if they're like the wide receivers coach, they watch four hours of game film every single day. Man. <laughs> I hope they're reading their Bible too, right? Four hours. I could put four hours in on Netflix, but I don't know, you know, like just watching film, watching people just do the same play over and over again. But it's incredible and it's valuable because they're trying to figure out every aspect of every play, of every player, what's going to help them win and succeed. It is crazy. They put so much time and so much effort into just planning out the game. Everything is planned. And they spend hours and hours and hours just trying to figure out what play is going to be best at second down. Maybe we can take a note from these NFL teams. I know they get paid lots of money, right? They should be being awesome, right? They should be doing incredible. They should be winning games. I don't get paid millions of dollars. Man, I, you know, if I got paid millions of dollars, I'd be doing it too. We've got to put the work in. We've got to put in the effort because the product is, you want it. 
how bad do you want it? How much are you willing to fight for the product that you want in your life? You gotta fight for it. Step number three, change the game. We're talking about self-control. And we always see it as this, like me versus whatever I'm fighting. Me versus it, like whatever the struggle that is in my life. But I think we need to change the game, change the way we're looking at this thing because we don't have to do it alone. I love in, in scripture, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter five, verse 22 through 23, this is what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Talking about juice, y'all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and guess what? Self-control. Come on. The Holy Spirit produces this inside of us. We surrender our life to God and we say, God, it is all yours. We come up with an awesome, incredible, strategic plan of how you're going to beat this and how you're going to do this. But we've got to understand that God is on our side. And the same power that I'm talking about that Jesus has and he, he's willing to place in our life is in us and the Holy Spirit. And we have the capability to do something with it. But here's what I love too. God didn't create us to live alone. God didn't create us just to, to walk through every struggle and every circumstance by ourselves. God created us for community. I love that a value of our church is we won't do life alone. That's because we're not gonna. It's because we know that God created us for so much more. God created us for community. Keep fighting these battles on your own. Continue to lose, but when it's me and somebody else versus something else, I think we can handle it. I love this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Somebody's got to have your back. You've got to find somebody in your life that is going to be there, and they're going to walk through the same junk that you're walking through. That they're going to be there when it's not easy, and when you're having a tough day, and you need somebody there to support you. You need that. But so many of us, we've built up these walls, we have this facade of who we are, and social media gets the best snapshot of your life. Everything's perfect. <laughs> Everything in my life is great. Check out this meal that I just had. It's time we drop the facade of what we want the world to see. And we find some people in our life we build this community, and you show them the ugly truth. God sees us. He sees us with all the junk, all the stuff, the burdens that we carry. It's time that we live life, and we stop living it alone. We have to, have to, have to be vulnerable. We have to open up because you're never going to win this battle alone. You can surrender to God all you want to. And I do believe God is powerful and he can show up in situations like no one else can. We can have a great plan. But at the end of the day, you need, you need a team. Two is better than one. Three is even better. 
Freedom requires vulnerability. It requires it. And today, if you are striving for freedom, if you're trying to control the uncontrolled in your life, you have to be vulnerable. I know groups kick off in just a few weeks. A lot of people just, maybe they don't get the idea of groups and they're like, oh, it's cool. I mean, you can just go do this and hang out and play board games and, you know, go do this or read a book together. There's something about when you join up with other people and you just do life together. Even if you have the facade up and the walls built up so strong, it's opportunities like that where they begin to fade away. I believe that there's something that happens when people just come together and they're vulnerable. If you're not in a group, if you haven't been in a group, and this is your chance, and this isn't just some shameless plug, this is something you need in your life. You can't do it alone. I read an article about horses. We know about horses in, in Lufkin, Texas, right? Come on. It's about draft horses. And there was this competition, and they had these horses, and they were trying to see how much these horses could really pull. The weight that they, man, they are so powerful. If you've seen a, a draft horse, the muscles are just like all over the place. It's crazy. And they tied this horse up and put some weight to, for it to pull. And, you know, they started with a few thousand pounds. No big deal. <laughs> I know I'm not doing that on leg day, right? They're pulling it and they're pulling it and they keep adding weight. They keep adding weight. And come to find out, one horse could pull 8,000 pounds. That's a lot. 8,000 pounds. So they got another horse and they're like, okay, let's just see if this, like this isn't just the one horse, but maybe other horses can, can pull just as much. And so they got this other horse and they tied it up and they put the weight on and they tried it for 8,000. And guess what? The horse pulled 8,000 pounds. It's incredible. And so then they thought, here's a genius idea. What if we put both horses together and we see what both horses can pull? And so they tied both horses together. They added the weight and they started at about 16,000 pounds. Eight plus eight is 16. 16,000 pounds. And these horses pulled it with ease. So they kept adding weight and they kept adding weight. And they found out that two horses could pull 24,000 pounds. No big deal, right? They're trying to figure out, like, why, how can they pull so much together? Let me tell you this. It's because they're together. Unison. They're a team. You're trying to pull this weight. You're trying to pull the struggles that you're walking through life with. You're not going to make it. But you find somebody else to team up with. And I believe you can pull more than you can pull by yourself. I believe that you can pull three or four times as much. There's something that happens when you're on a team. There's something that happens when you join up with somebody else with the same mind, with the same struggles, and say, we are going to beat this. We've got to stop living life alone. We've got to realize that God has so much more for us in community. And if we're going to beat the uncontrolled things in our life, it's got to be with the team. Today, I challenge you, find somebody you can talk to. After service, our prayer team's gonna come up here. One of our pastors or one of our team would love to pray with you the stuff that you're going through. And I think this is a good starting point for you. 
I think this is a great place that's safe, that's someone that can be there for you. Got to stop living life alone. Today I want to close and tell you a story. We know about David in the Bible. He's the little kid with the sling. He defeats Goliath. He becomes the king over Israel. He's known for a lot of great things. He's known as the man after God's own heart. But even David struggled with self-control. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, you can read about some of the struggles that he had. Because one day he decided he's going to stay home. He called in sick, just going to take it easy. This wasn't normal for him. But he made the decision. It says he went up to the rooftop. And he sees a young woman across the way. She's bathing. You see, the funny thing is self-control and like the start of things, it's, it's usually a small thing. And at the end of the story, you can always go back and pinpoint that one small thing. That one small decision that you made that opened the door to everything. He stayed home. He's on the balcony and he sees this young woman and he asks about her and his servants tell him that's the wife of Uriah he's one of your one of your greatest soldiers but David he had other intentions and he sends his servants to go bring her to him and that night they sleep together And David finds out she's pregnant. This is a big mess. We've all been there. Maybe not quite like David, but we've all been in a big mess. And so, of course, David's just trying to cover it up. Just trying to cover it up. And he ends up having this woman's husband killed. And at some point in all of this, Somebody comes to see David. His name is Nathan. And I think Nathan kind of puts him in his place. And kind of opens his eyes to see the mistake that he had made. And we all need a friend like that. We all need that community, and that's what it's all about. And that's probably David's saving grace in all of this. And David's response to this whole situation is in Psalm 51. And I just want to read this passage to you. It's pretty powerful. And I pray that if you are struggling with self-control in your life, if you are looking at a list of uncontrolled things in your life or just one thing, I think we can learn something from this passage. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. And you have broken me 
Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. It's powerful. Like I've said, if you allow the uncontrolled things in your life to stay uncontrolled, you could lose everything. This is a big issue. It digs deep and it's hard to walk through. And the problem with so much of this stuff, with self-control, is that the stuff that we struggle with, most of us, it's a secret. We're so hidden, we don't want anybody to see the real us. We don't even want God to, to know about some of the things that we've done. But I promise you, if you give it up, if you give up control and you surrender everything to God, and you plan it out and you make a plan and you change the game and you live in community and you find somebody to keep you accountable and someone to open up to, I believe things could change for you. I believe things could change for your marriage and it could change for your family. I believe self-control is the key to so many problems in our life. If we could just practice it, if we could apply it to the anger that we have and how we get so mad about such small things, if we could see the lust issue in our lives and say, God, I surrender this lust issue to you. I want you to do something with it. I want you to take it away and I want you to make me something new. Take the weakness that is me and take your power and make me something new. Help me live the life that you've called me to live. And here's what it is. If you're going to go work out, if you're going to eat better, if you're going to make different decisions in your life, you've got to be sick of the stuff that you've been living in. You've got to say, you know what? I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of being beaten down with this stuff, and I am going to do something about it. I'm preaching, y'all. I'm sorry. I get excited about this. We stop sitting there expecting things to change, and we get passionate about it. I promise you, if you add passion to the struggles in your life, things are going to change. If you say, you know what, I'm going to get up off my butt and I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to live the life God's called me to. Something is going to change. And I don't want this to be some beat down. But I want you to see the life God's called you to. I look across a room and I see so much potential. And I see... The I see what God wants to do through a congregation of people, through this community, through this church. We've got to give up that control and say, God, it's all yours. Can I pray for you this morning? Dear God, we are so thankful for who you are. You're so gracious. God, you see us where we're at. God, this morning, so many of us, self-control is an issue and we've been hiding it, and we've been burying it. God, I pray that today you would deal with some issues. God, that it may be tough to think about, it may be tough to walk through, but God, I pray that things change, that the result of all of this would be life change. 
and that we would begin to deal with the uncontrolled issues in our life, the junk that we've held on to for so long. God, we would walk in the life that you have for us that no one else can offer, the freedom that you have for us that no one else can offer. If you're in this place and you'd say, Pastor Seth, today I need to surrender to God. It may be the hundredth time, it may be the second time, but you'd say, Pastor Seth, I've got to start with step number one. I'm giving up control and I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift up a hand? No one's looking around. This is your moment. Lots of hands going up. You're not alone. Lots of hands. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to say this prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me and understand that there's no magic formula of words happening here. There's nothing that I'm saying that is going to change anything in your life unless you mean it with all that you have. I want everybody in this place... Dear Jesus, well, you can do better than that. Somebody say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I thought I had control. But today, I'm giving it to you. Forgive me of my sins and help me walk in the new life you have for me. God, help me practice self-control in my life in every area. God, tame the uncontrolled stuff, the junk in my life. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, guys.